You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. When I first re-entered the Christian faith as an adult, I took a catechumenate class, like the one I teach her on Tuesdays. It's like an adult confirmation class. And that is where I learned about and fell in love with Lutheran theology. It just made sense most of the time. Pastor Ross grew quickly accustomed to my raised hand in the back row as I, wait, as I waited to ask clarifying and at times belligerent questions. The week he taught us about the Apostles' Creed, I remember finding the line, I believe in the resurrection of the dead, to be particularly difficult to believe. Given various states of decomposition, not to mention cremation, it hardly made sense that at some point human bodies would all just rise from the earth. I couldn't shake the image of it all looking like an end times thriller video. Half-decayed arms reaching through soil and zombie women in torn vintage dresses. My mind couldn't make logical sense out of it. And I was sure that this meant that it was something we didn't really have to believe, given how irrational it all is. So raising my hand from the back row, I said, "Um, do we have to believe that, like, actual bodies are going to rise from the dead? Because that's just crazy. Expecting him to say, oh, of course not. It's, it's, It's really just a metaphor. And was shocked when, instead, Pastor Ross just looked at me and unapologetically said, yes, Nadia, actual bodies. I mention this because I kind of relate to Nicodemus from our gospel reading today. It says that he was a Pharisee, a studied man and a religious scholar who came to Jesus by night, raising his hand from the darkness of the back road to ask him some clarifying, if belligerent, questions. See, Nicodemus was trying to wrap his brain around this Jesus thing. He was trying to look for some basic facts and trying to apply his reasoning to what he was experiencing about Jesus, he too was finding it all a little crazy. Even to the point of saying one of the most dumbass things ever recorded in scripture. Jesus said you have to be born anew or born from above, and literal-minded, logical Nicodemus says to Jesus, what, like go back into your mom's womb? It's a graphic image we could all do without. And I can only imagine how this made everyone totally cringe when he said it. But at the same time, I feel for him because in typical Jesus fashion, he doesn't really even answer the question, but says even more crazy sounding stuff like the wind blows where it chooses and that's what being born of spirit is like. And then some stuff about Moses lifting up a snake in the wilderness. And exactly none of it is very helpful in providing some facts which our mind can make sense of. Basically because the gospel's just not really like that. There's no reason for the church to lean towards anti-intellectualism. But the thing is, the gospel is not domesticatable enough for the mind to grasp. It's wilder than that, like wind. And it's more beautiful and irrational than reason alone can contain. That's why we need 
stuff and not just ideas. I've heard it said that Christianity isn't spiritual, or I would add intellectual, it's material. You can't even get started without a river, some bread, and a jug of wine. I understand Nicodemus's desire for all this to make more sense, I do. But instead of a religion revealed through philosophical constructs, easily reasoned out and understood, instead, we get a God revealed inconveniently in people, and food, and wine, and water, and bodies, and pies, and oil, and beer. When God chose to come and take on human flesh, and walk the earth, and break bread with friends, it was as though God was baptizing the material, the earthly, as though to say, stop looking for me in heaven when you aren't even close to understanding the majesty of a loaf of bread. Or as Jesus puts it, if you can't understand earthly things, You'll never understand heavenly things. And understanding the heavenly within the earthly, the transcendent within the mundane, is not an intellectual, logical, reason-based experience. You can't make the gospel make sense by using your head. You have to use your hands and your eyes and your mouth and ears and nose because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus says, is at hand. Reach out, touch it, see it, eat it, smell it, feel it. In other words, take in the glory of God in the common, unexpected, and totally crazy ways in which our Lord Jesus Christ still seems to be redeeming us now. The next time we see Nicodemus, actually later in John's gospel, he's trying to defend Jesus against his fellow Pharisees, many of whom want to kill Jesus. But Nicodemus clearly still doesn't get it at that point, says rather weakly, actually, that maybe they should just give Jesus a hearing and learn the facts. There won't be any facts, of course, until the unavoidable fact of the cross, which is where, against all logic, we meet Nicodemus for the last time. And we know he finally got it, because when we meet him again in chapter 19... He's doing something totally crazy. Gone is the logical, reasonable man. Now he's carrying a hundred pounds of oils and spices. He takes the broken and yet to be resurrected body of his Lord Jesus and he wraps it lovingly in a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe and oil and strips of cloth. It seemed a pound or two of such things would have done the trick. But instead, Nicodemus casts his crown of logic and philosophy at the foot of the cross of Jesus and instead picks up an embarrassingly extravagant amount of stuff, material, earthly, touchable, carryable stuff, and does what he can in the light of such love. He got it, finally. Or maybe more accurately, it got him we know this because carrying 100 pounds of oils and spices around is just plain gospel crazy. I'm not sure the gospel makes sense through facts and philosophy, but I have seen it recently in stuff. I've seen it in the stacks of pies Ruthie is carrying every time I see her, and in the burritos and cocktails that Meg and MK carried into the ER when Kathleen busted her ankle and in the honey and lemons Pastor Brian carried over to my house the last time I was sick. 
Love combined with people and actual earthly stuff is the only way we really glimpse heaven sometimes. So if you're here thinking this is crazy, bread that is the body and wine that's the blood of Christ, forgiveness of sins, water that combined with God's word somehow brings new life and wholeness, loving enemies, turning cheeks. You're right. It's all, it's all pretty nuts. And it's also totally the most true thing I've ever heard or experienced. And best of all, it's for you. All of it. The oil and ashes and bread and wine and pies and burritos, all revealing the glory of God, all revealing heavenly things among earthly things. The whole resurrection of the dead thing I struggled with 18 years ago in my confirmation class still seems pretty nuts. But last Sunday, when Ellen and Bobby Joe and myself lovingly touched the broken and paraplegic and yet-to-be-resurrected body of Amy Mack, when I gently traced the sign of the cross on her forehead, I couldn't help but believe somehow in the resurrection of her body. I couldn't help but know that all flesh will be redeemed, that the suffering in our bodies due to illness or injury, paraplegia or physical abuse, aging or self-harm, that the promise of the resurrection of the dead is that somehow God is able to knit it all back together, like God knit it together in our mother's wombs to begin with, as the psalmist says. Perhaps we do re-enter our mother's wombs insofar as we return to where God put together limb to limb to begin with. Because as we heard in our first reading, brothers and sisters, this is the God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Somehow for me, as I trace the sign of the cross on the cool forehead of our Amy, my fingers easily gliding the oil to form the cross, I was taken back to four days earlier when I made the same sign on our baby Willa's head, on skin just hours old, with ashes that time, with stuff, holy things, remembering that we indeed come from God, and to God we return. And that 27-year-old back row skeptic whose mind could not grasp the resurrection of the dead now could do nothing but hear Pastor Ross say, yes, Nadia, actual bodies... I believe, help my unbelief. This is the faith of Nicodemus, maybe like the faith of you and me. And it is in a God who saves us despite ourselves and what we think we know through reason, who works despite our disbelief beyond our best logical arguments to bring the dead to life, to call into existence that which does not yet exist and to make all things everywhere new which is why for a couple millennia, Christians have gathered to say that crazy thing. We believe in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
You have been listening to the House for All Sinners and Saints podcast. Feel free to join us at our Sunday Eucharist worship service at 4 or 6. Yes, that's in the evening. Our 4 o'clock service includes a children's liturgy. We worship at the St. Thomas Episcopal Church in the Park Hill neighborhood of Denver. You can find out more about House for All Sinners and Saints at houseforall.org. And just like our friends at Public Radio, there is a place to donate to help keep the lights on and this podcast coming your way. Thanks for listening.